Hello, this is Terry Cheek, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Marion, North Carolina. I want to thank you for choosing our broadcast, and my prayer is that it will be an encouragement to your walk with the Lord. Comments or questions can be directed to me via the link on our sermon audio page. Now, on to your selection. Tonight, if you would, turn with me to uh, the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to take a look at verse number 1 tonight. We are still in the Sermon on the Mount. We are beginning the middle section, the middle part of it. Uh, We finished chapter 5. As we take a look at chapter 6, we are seeing some practical application to what Jesus has already went over. He went over some doctrinal matters in chapter 5. He covered some doctrinal things and uh, he cleared up controversies that the Pharisees had over certain doctrine. Here beginning in verse 6, we're going to see those brought into the people's lives. We're going to see it brought face to face to the individual. We're going to see it brought face to face to you and I tonight. Now here lies the question. What will we do with it? What will we do with God's Word when it looks us face to face? Are we going to point a finger in another direction and say, well that applies to so and so, or that applies to this person, or that applies to that person? Or are we going to take a good look at ourselves and ask, how does it apply to me? That's the, that's the question we need to be asking, especially moving into a new year. I was thinking this afternoon, there has for a long time been a standard, I guess, definition of the word insanity. The definition for the word insanity, a widely accepted definition, is this. It is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. Now think about that. If we do the same thing over and over again, and it doesn't work, first time, and we repeat it, why do we expect it to work any different the second time? And if we repeat it again, why do we expect it to give any different results the third time? If we want to see things change, if we realize there are changes that have to be made in our lives, in our families, in our church family, in our denomination, in our association, whatever it may be, if we realize there must be changes that take place, why do we want to keep approaching the problem the same way every time if it didn't change anything the last time? God brings us, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Christ brings us face to face with a lot of problems and with the solutions to those problems, and the only thing that has to happen on our part 
is that we apply it, we apply it personally in our lives. Read with me, follow along, chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says, Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. And I'm going to stop there because this is an introduction. This one verse is an introduction to a new section of the Sermon on the Mount. It introduces a section on the forms of religious righteousness. And there are three illustrations that are going to be covered from verses 2 through 18. But for tonight, we're just going to look at the introduction of it. And I want to begin with a story. There is a story of an eastern holy man. He covered himself with ashes as a sign of humility, and he regularly sat on a prominent, well-traveled street corner in his city. And when tourists would come by, they would ask permission to have a picture taken with him. Because they were so taken in by the image that this man gave. He sat there with ashes poured over his head as a, as a symbol of destitution and humility. Well, he would grant them their wish or their request. And before they would take and pose for the picture though, he would rearrange himself and rearrange the ashes to give the greatest impression of destitution and humility. I fear that we find a lot of that same behavior in churches in America today. It's nothing more than rearranging religious ashes inside the walls of a church to impress the world with an idea or an image of humility and devotion. The problem, of course, that kind of humility and that kind of devotion is a sham. It is not devotion to God in any aspect. It isn't hum humility to God in any form or fashion. It is devotion to oneself and it is devotion and humility to oneself. It's nothing more than a pretense, a game. In Jesus' day, the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, they were masters at doing this. They were masters at putting on a front in front of people. They were masters at being seen in the public with their prayers and, and with their religious wardrobes and, and with their religious uh, symbols and, and everything that would go with them. And they would have people that would go before them and they would announce that Pharisee such and such was coming or priest so and so was on the way or this scribe was coming and the people would part and they would come through and they would walk through and they would give some type of a, a look of humility as they would come through and it would all be an affront. How do I know this? Because Jesus just said so in the text we read. 
He said, Do not your alms or your giving or anything of that, any, do not your charity before men to be seen of them. You see, we often forget. We often forget that God knows our heart. God is not someone that we impress. We can't impress God. We can't do anything to change our image in front of God because He knows our heart. He knows when we are frustrated. He knows when we are angry. He knows when we are jealous. And oh yes, you get jealous. He knows when you're that way. He knows when you're envious. He knows when you're contentious. He knows when you're gossip, when you're slanderous. He knows when you're content and when you're peaceful. He knows when you're loving and when you're kind and when you're compassionate. And He knows when you're putting on a front for other people. We cannot impress God. But here is something else that we need to realize as we read and we understand the hypocrisy that was taking place in in the Jewish religion, in Judaism, in Jesus' day. And, And all of that is taking place and we recognize it and we point it out as the hypocrisy that it really is. We want to convince ourselves that hypocrisy well, it kind of stopped there when Jesus called it out. No, it didn't. Hypocrisy has been around since the beginning of time. And it will continue to be around until the end of time. Cain and Abel was a picture of hypocrisy. Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. Cain killed Abel. Why? Because of a sacrifice. Because God chose and God recognized a righteous sacrifice of one and an unrighteous sacrifice of another. Cain wanted to give the fruit of his hands and he wanted to impress God. And God wouldn't acknowledge it. Abel, on the other hand, was obedient to what God had asked for and gave God what he had asked for and God blessed it and God counted it as righteousness. Cain became jealous of Abel because of his hypocrisy and Cain killed Abel. What about Absalom? Absalom the son of David. Absalom was a Hypocrite. He vowed allegiance to his father when he was at his face. But yet at the same time, as soon as Absalom returned to his own people, he was an enemy of his father and he was wanting to overthrow his father and take the kingdom away from him. And probably the most well-known hypocrite in the Bible, Judas Iscariot. He traveled with Jesus everywhere Jesus walked. 
He saw every miracle that Jesus had accomplished. He watched every healing. Everything that the Lord Jesus Christ done, Judas Iscariot saw it, and yet Judas Iscariot turned and went behind him and sold him out. What about Ananias and Sapphira? The first hypocrites of the church. Ananias and Sapphira, they had witnessed they had witnessed the church leader. He had more properties than he really needed. And God, the Holy Spirit, had convicted him. And he sold one of those properties. And he took all of the money that came from that and he gave it to the church. He gave it to the church because the church was using it to feed people. The church was taking care of their own. Because in this day, when you became a Christian, you lost your job, you lost your house, you lost everything. So they would come to a commune. They would come to their own little community. And when someone would come and they would say, I've just accepted Christ and I've lost everything, they would open up the doors and they would say, come on in and join us. And they were feeding and they were taking care of and housing all of these people. Well, this money was given to the church to help accomplish that. And this person got got appreciated for it. Ananias and Sapphira wanted that kind of appreciation. Ananias and Sapphira wanted to be lifted up. They wanted to be recognized. Look what we done. That's all that they saw. They did not see the need that was met. They did not seek the Holy Spirit's moving. They did not, they did not pray about anything. They took it upon themselves. Well, we're going to get, uh, we're going to get our part of this. So they too had some extra property. They too sold their property. The only difference is they brought part of that money to the church. And that's okay. There was nothing, there was nothing wrong with that. Nothing at all. Where the problem came in with Ananias and Sapphira, Ananias and Sapphira lied. They had told the church, this is all of the money. The Holy Spirit moved upon Peter and led Peter in the direction where he understood and realized what was really going on and he confronted them. And I'm just going to summarize the end by saying this. The Holy Spirit took the lives of Ananias and Sapphira. The Holy Spirit killed both of them after giving them a chance to repent and come clean and they both continue to hold to their hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is very real. It's very real. It's not just found in Christianity. It's found in paganism. It's found in Judaism. It's found in Islam. It's found in all of the religions around the world. And I'm going to shock you tonight. There isn't a person walking that has not been involved in hypocrisy. And that includes you and I. 
And you may say, oh, no, 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 not me, not me. You may not have intended it. You may not have set out with a course or a goal in it. But because of circumstances or situations you found yourself in, you may have changed your story to make it look the best in front of others. When you knew in your heart it wasn't the truth. That's hypocrisy. When you know in your heart what the truth really is and maybe you missed, just missed the boat on something and it's okay to miss the boat on something. It's okay to just miss it and drop it. And drop the ball. It's, it's much better to just say, hey, look, I missed this than it is to back up and try to cover your tracks and turn it into some type of a spiritual thing. Hypocrisy is something that is dangerous. Hypocrisy will kill an individual spiritually. Hypocrisy will kill a household spiritually. Hypocrisy will kill a church spiritually. Once it has killed you spiritually in any one of those aspects, it's just a matter of time until the death, the actual physical breathing life of that individual is ended as well. Of that family is ended as well. Of that church is ended as well. We have churches tonight that are packed full of people, but they are dead. They are dead because they're packed full of people based on hypocrisy. They have the word church hanging on the shingle out front, but what's going on inside is the farthest thing from worshiping God that has ever been imagined. How do I know that? Turn on the television and listen to some of the things that you see, some of the churches that are broadcasting. Listen for the message of salvation by faith in Christ of being saved by the blood of Christ. Listen to the righteousness and the preaching of the Word of God. Not the doctrine of man. It doesn't take long when we're watching these things and when we're looking for these, when we're looking for the real Word of God, it doesn't take long for someone to show whether that's the direction that they're going in. We have churches and Christians today who are compromising their spiritual walk and their doctrine that they stand on. They're compromising it in order to be popular with the world. They want to be popular with with the media. They want to be popular with social media. They want to be popular with a particularly with a particular political party or a political crowd. They want to be popular with this group or with that group. But they're not really interested in being righteous. 
when we lose track of what God wants in our life, when we lose track of where God is trying to take us, we are dangerously close, if not already stepping foot into hypocrisy. Because we take our eyes off God and there is only one other place we can put them and that's on the world. Jesus says, take heed that you don't, that you do your alms, do not do your alms before men to be seen of them. If we're not concerned about what God thinks and only what God thinks, then there is only one other group of people that we're concerned with and that's men, that's other people. So had we rather be popular with other people or had we rather be popular with God? Now if there's a choice there to make, I say go with God. That doesn't mean that we try to make enemies out of people. Don't read that into what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all because there are a lot of churches tonight that are wanting to follow God and they're striving to follow God. Their heart is to follow God. Those churches are the churches and the people that we want to be friends with. We want to be brothers and sisters in Christ with those people. It is those folks who are seeking their own ends, who are seeking other ideas that aren't biblical, that aren't godly. It is those people who we want to not make enemies with, but we want to show them the path that they're on is not a godly path. It is not a path of righteousness. God wants you and I to be on a path of righteousness. He wants us to be following Him. You cannot be on a path of righteousness by yourself. You don't have the ability to. You do not have the ability in and of yourself to be on a path of righteousness that's going to put you on a course with face-to-face with God. You have the ability to submit yourself to God through Jesus Christ. And through that submission saying, I will follow Christ to God because Christ is of God and is from God. And I will follow Him. That's the choice that we have. Any other choice is to follow man. It's to follow the world. We have enough of that going on tonight. That's why everything is in such a mess. That's why our government, part of it is shut down tonight. Because instead of doing the right thing for the right reason, man wants to follow man. Instead of being humbly submissive to God and to the Word of God and doing what's right. They want to do what's popular. Churches tonight, some of them are running over tonight with people attending because they're popular. Being popular doesn't necessarily mean that they are right. 
being charismatic for a pastor and a preacher does not make him right. It does not make him godly. There are pastors and preachers tonight who have a great and an immense following of people. Just because they are motivational. Just because, and this is something I hear a lot of, boy, that one tells it like it is. He don't cut no slack. He tells it like it is. So in order to tell it like it is, you have to insult someone, you have to belittle someone, you have to berate someone, you have to judge someone, you have to do everything that God says you are to avoid in order to be called telling it like it is and be popular. You can tell it like it is and stay inside the pages of God's Word. And do it with a love and with a compassion that draws people to Christ and doesn't push them away. I'm not called to judge anybody. However, if the Bible tells me that something is sin, I have not just the right, but I have the responsibility to call it sin and let it let the chips fall where they may in the lives of those that are listening and then move on. God didn't ask me to park there and stay there and point out names and groups of people and politicians and political parties and everything else and just sit there with them. I have people tonight who are who don't like because I won't take a political position in the pulpit. And I have people on both political parties who do not like me because I will not take a political position in the pulpit. They're just going to have to not like me. Because there are things that are wrong with both political parties in this country. Just because the Republicans don't like abortion and because they are not willing to finance, fund, support, and push out a same-sex marriage group and the homosexual LGBT movement and all of that stuff, that does not make them holy and godly and righteous. And just because the Democrats do want to support those things does not mean that every Democrat is in line with that and it does not make all of them unrighteous. If someone knows God, if they know Christ as their Lord and Savior and they have that personal relationship with God, they're going to know what is right And here comes the point and the application of that in this message. If they know what is right and they choose not to do it, 
they become a hypocrite. Because they're seeking, they're seeking the glory of man over the glory of God. They have their reward. Christ says plainly, those people have no reward of their Father which is in heaven. Now look at that closely. Look at that part of the verse closely. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Your Father. Jesus is talking to people who are Christian. He is talking to saved people. Because He says, your Father. You see, an unsaved person cannot be a hypocrite because there's nothing for them to be hypocritical of. A saved person may waffle around between knowing what God and what the Holy Spirit is doing in their life and whether they've accepted Him or not. They may bounce around and waffle around with that, but an unsaved person can't be a hypocrite. Not in this sense that Christ is speaking here. But those who have accepted God and accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they make a choice, if they make a decision, if they make a decision to do what Christ doesn't want, to do what God doesn't want, then they've become hypocritical. Hypocrisy is something that's easy dealt with. Though. It's just like anything else we find ourselves tied up in and getting pulled into. We can repent. And that's what we should do. And I'll say this tonight. I believe that the majority of hypocrisy that enters into the church is not planned hypocrisy. I do not believe it's intended hypocrisy. I believe it is good people who have good intentions who find out that they have crossed a line and instead of being genuinely humble enough to say, I messed up, they find a way to justify them. And in trying to find a way to justify themselves, they become a hypocrite. Pride. Pride gets in the way of so many things with people. Pride will keep people from apologizing and being humble and repentant. Pride will keep people from repenting from hypocrisies. Pride will keep people from stepping forward and discussing problems and issues. Pride will cause us to fail in so many ways. And that brings us to that famous and well-known verse, Pride goeth before the fall. When we become prideful, we open the door for hypocrisy in our lives. And as we move through the 
verses 2 through 18 in chapter 6 of Matthew, we're going to look at three illustrations, as I've said earlier. Starting next week, I hope to begin the first one. And we're going to look at that those illustrations of hypocrisy. And we're going to see how they work and how they apply in our lives and what they speak to you and I today. So as we depart tonight, and as we go our way, as we prepare to say goodbye to 2018, and Lord willing, as we look into 2019 and we see what's ahead, I want to challenge you to think about this. In order for you, for your family, and for this church to be what God wants us to be in 2019, the first thing we need to start looking at is asking God to reveal to us the hypocrisies that's in our lives. Not look in a mirror and not say, oh, not me. No, 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 not me. But look at God and look at His Word and say, yes, me. Yes, me. Where are the hypocrisies in my life? Where are the ones, where are the things that I'm hiding? Where are the things that I am running from? Where are the unrighteous things in my life that I'm trying to cover up with righteousness? The things that I'm seeking the approval of people over instead of seeking from God's Word his instruction, His direction, and His guidance. Where do we stand with God? If we truly want to see God move in 2019, it has to start with me personally. It has to start with you personally. It can't be concerned about what somebody else thinks about it can't be concerned and worried about how you measure up according to someone else's thoughts or someone else's plans. How do you measure up to the Word of God? How do you measure up? Being a Christian isn't about being like everybody else in the church. Being a Christian is about being Christ. And Christ never sought His will. He always sought the Father's. So whose will are we seeking in our lives? Let's pray. Lord, I thank You so much for the grace and the mercy, the faith, everything that You've given in 2018. I thank You for every door that you've opened. I thank you for every door that you've closed. God, I thank you for all of the opportunities of bringing the gospel around the world that you have provided and you've done. God, I thank you for opportunities to study your word and look at the messages like we've looked at tonight. Because they do make me look at those questions myself and ask, where do I stand with you?
you. I want to be in your will. So God, as I look at and I define the hypocrisies in my life moving forward and I encourage others to do likewise, I look forward to where you're going to take us in 2019. I look forward to the challenges that lie ahead. God, you already know what they are. And I'm not asking you to avoid them. I'm asking you to take me through them, whatever they may be. Because if you allow me to be in, to be, for, for them to be in my life, God, I know that you have a purpose for them. And I know you don't want me to avoid them. But God, I know that you're going to be there with me to go through them. And may I go through them genuinely and sincerely and humbly and try my best and seek your will in avoiding hypocrisy. Be with everyone, every family that's here tonight. Give us all a safe and happy New Year celebration as we look into 2019 and return each one and others into our church on Wednesday night as we begin 2019. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you is my prayer. Have a safe evening. Have a safe trip home.